This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon, this is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. Juara Turtle Project is a conservation and re- research centre on Theoman Island and the group call themselves a people's project because they believe change begins with people. So today on the show, I'm joined by John Amos. He is the uh, he is with Juara Turtle Project and also Siti Hawa Binti Abdul Wahid. She's the project manager of the Juara Turtle Project and they join me now to share more about their work. Welcome both of you. How are you today? I'm fine. And yourself? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Hawa? Yes, I'm fine and I'm doing great here. Let's get to know um, this project a little bit better, let's, but let's get to know the both of you a bit better. John, I know that you used to own two resorts uh, along Jawara Beach, am I correct? But how did all of that change and how did you end up uh, with an NGO like Jawara Turtle Project? Okay, well, resorts is a misnomer, uh, although they were originally conceived and developed as resorts. Uh, when I took them over, we actually we don't operate as a conventional resort. It's an outdoor education centre, mm-hmm. and our focus of activity is with schools and colleges, with groups of children, uh, on annual return visit, if you like, of mm-hmm. programs that we develop with these kids. Uh, for our, depending on the year group, depends on the activity, but we're not conventional tourism, as I say, we're an OE produ- uh, man- provider, if you like. Okay. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the Turtle Project actually fitted our model of operation very well, because this is a, a work area, if you like, that we wanted to actually be in a position that we could connect students of all ages, if you like, from the college groups that we were actually working with to this particular work area, which is, although it's called the Juara Turtle Project and our target species are turtles, it actually encompasses a whole wide range of environmental issues arguments and the key of Juara Turtle Project is about accessibility. Uh, we're not scientific, we don't do analytical work, we don't work in a, in a way that young children can't access. So it's very important for us that what we actually do can be translated to an audience that doesn't have the ability to actually comprehend what anybody would be presenting if it was done in a scientific way. So it has to be student friendly. Mm-hmm. It also has to be uh, promoted in a way that is locally acceptable as well. So it needs to be terminology and a way of promotion, if you like, that is acceptable on local level to the local community and to the local authorities as well. So, so it's unconventional in a lot of ways in its concept, if you like, but we desperately, desperately try to stay away from emphasis on casualty mm-hmm. and concentrate on cause we're continuously being manipulated to reverse that and to emphasize on casualty and not necessarily to deny cause but to move cause into the background because cause is inconvenient and challenging casualty is sexy attractive everybody wants to know it's a very easy product to market it's a very easy product to actually gain people's attention and get them to actually converse with you and contribute but when you're actually talking about cause, this is much co- more controversial and it is a much more difficult work area to deal with. But this is the area that we really need to focus on. Cause is far more important than casualty. Okay. All right. And uh, and we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that. But let's just get to know Hawa a little bit better. I know you identify as an environmental justice warrior. How did you start working with the Jawara Turtle Project? Um. 
Previously, I um, memang bergerak aktif dengan NGO alam sekitar di Perak. Um, so, dalam salah satu modul dalam kami punya program ialah program pemeliharaan penyu pantai bersama Jabatan Perikanan Perak. Okay. So, saya bekerja di sana selama lima tahun dan um, we, um, kami bermula dengan um, tim yang kecil dan dalam lima tahun tu uh, we grow bigger. So um, kita dah ada staff dan staff tu dah fully train and the op- dan the project boleh operate even without me. So at that time I was thinking like um, I nak try something new so that I can grow. So um, I nampak ada um, job adverts looking for new project managers dekat Juara Tutu Project. And even before that I dah follow Juara Tutu Project. So I think it's a really nice project. So I apply and I dapat. And when I come here, they memang like a brand new experience for me tapi dia um dia operates differently from my previous uh, project okay uh, so like that is something new and something that i would like to explore more here Okay. All right. Excellent. And uh, when I was reading about uh, Jura Turtle Project, you guys have said that the threat to turtles is just a representation, right, of the bigger issues that all of us face as a planet. Uh, maybe, John, you want to elaborate on what you guys meant by that? Well, I think uh, the easiest way I can elaborate that was, I mean, simply put, you were talking about the fact that it's a people's project. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of it, because the problem actually doesn't rest with the turtles. The turtles don't have a problem. The turtles are fine. They've been fine for hundreds of millions of years. They don't need our interference. They don't need our support. They seriously just need to be left alone and they need access to their habitat. Mm -hmm. Uncontrolled access, unrestricted access so that they continue with their breeding cycle. The problem, if you want to call it a problem, which and I really don't like the word, but the problem is people or at least the root cause of this particular difficulty is people. So it's not really a total project at all, it's a people project. So it's a way of trying to discover ways, if you like, that we can communicate with people in a way that they have sufficient interest. Sufficient entertainment is attached to the dialogue, if you like, so that we can maintain the connection and the point of reference that we got with this, like, you know, but it's all about talking to people and changing the way that they actually behave and getting them to understand that there are so many ways that they can actually support something like the Turtle Project from a distance, if you like, doing something that they would not really consider had anything to do with turtles at all. Mm. But in reality, it's targeting the issues that are critical to the turtles, if you like, which are also critical to so many other aspects of the problems that we're facing at this moment in time. Plastic is a big problem in the in the sea. Yep. If you live in Germany... And you go shopping and you reduce the amount of plastic that you actually import through the process of shopping, you are indirectly engaged in turtle conservation. It's trying to promote these kind of arguments to get to discover ways that people can make a connection which enables them to feel that they're making a contribution just by changing the way that they actually exist in their own environment, which could be completely detached from the subject matter that we're actually talking about or the subject matter that we're actually promoting. Mm. To call it a turtle project really is too simplistic a way of actually viewing it. It's much more complicated than that and it's not created by an individual, it's created by a community. So I am not the individual that created JTP. I was the first guy to get on the bus. (laughs) And since then, the bus has stopped many times and a lot of people have got on the bus, okay? 
few people didn't actually get on the bus. They're the ones that I'm focused on because I actually want them to make that connection to a point that they actually discover what this is all about and the fact that they can actually contribute in a meaningful way. Okay. All right. And uh, how how is it for you? I mean, as you said, you know, uh, JTP sort of does things differently from what you were sort of familiar with, right? How how are you learning to sort of um, adapt to that? And, you know, how, how different is it from the things that you previously did on other conservation projects? Oh, um, my previous conservation, sea turtle conservation project, um, the whole project is managed by the fishery department. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, it was like uh, managed by um, a private entity, bukan oleh um, jabatan-jabatan perikanan, tapi however, kita dapat permission daripada jabatan perikanan lah. Mm. And I would say ada banyak difference because here, we came up with everything, the campaign, the operation and all. And even with the campaign, uh, it quite different sebab um, here we're targeting the whole of the marine conservation, not just um, sea turtle in um, sea turtle sebagai satu conservation yang terasing. So di sini kita um, treat the whole marine conservation sebagai the whole operation. Hmm. So kat sini um, kita start kita start dengan um, konservasi penyu dan bila kita um, dah beroperasi lama, kita nampak ada cabang-cabang lain dalam konservasi marine yang kita kena explore dan um, did something on that so that uh, penyu boleh, um, kita boleh membantu salah satu usaha dalam konservasi penyu. Contohnya, dekat sini kita ada tiga um, program yang berjalan sekali yeah. um, yang berangkai daripada um, citadel conservation di mana kita sedar kita, um, penyu ada masalah dengan pencemaran plastik. Mm-hmm. So kita buat beach clean up dan kita fokus on the microplastic sebab that is what get into the tummy. Mm-hmm. So bila um, microplastic masuk dalam dia punya badan, it affects dia punya um, buoyancy. So itulah salah satu track yang sangat besar kat sini lah sebab kita ada um, case di mana penyu tak boleh um, terapung. So bila tak boleh, bukan tak boleh terapung, sorry. Um, dia terapung, dia punya ability untuk terapung tu terganggu, dia tak boleh dive dan tak boleh makan dan um, oh, dia mati kelaparan. Mm-hmm. Ya, kita ada case macam tu. So I think from that kita start um, our recycling, uh, our waste management program. Mm. So kita ada recycling depot dekat sini di mana kita every week kita akan go from one depot and collect and bring it to our um, pusat kita uh, semula dan kita akan crash all the cans, crash all the plastic bottle dan akan ship uh, keluar kepada uh, pusat uh, kita semula di Mersing. So kita ada this whole process lah. Dan hmm. bila on doing that citadel conservation, kita juga sedar um, makan uh, most of Uh, makanan-makanan penyu ni dia dapat daripada coral reef so kita kena maintain um, kesihatan coral reef tu so we um, kita dah mula kan operasi coral um, rehabilitation di mana kita um, buat coral blocks lepas tu from that block kita um, transfer dia masuk ke dalam laut di mana berdekatan dengan koloni-koloni um, coral lepas tu kita akan attach um, fragments of Um, coral into that block so um, over years they can grow into one big colony mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so these that, are artificial reefs that you're talking uh, about artificial right? Artificial reefs <laughs> so that is how our whole um, program is connected to each other so dia bermula uh, sebagai salah satu cara macam mana kita nak selamatkan penyu mm-hmm. mula-mula dia just start macam oh pergi petrol kita relocate <coughs> um, the nest daripada original um, location sebab dia tak safe kat sana mm-hmm. so um 
So kita macam fikir lagi macam mana lagi cara untuk kita selamatkan penyu uh, melalui dia punya uh, habitat, melalui dia punya makanan. So kita analyse apa track-track yang ada dan kita cuba uh, cuba address dan cuba apa yang apa yang boleh dibuat kat sini untuk um, address macam mana nak pastikan um, kelestarian hidup penyu dekat Jerman. Okay, alright. Basically, you're saying everything is interlinked, right? Yes, okay. So, it started off with, okay, the, the turtles, uh, there's all this plastic, there's all these issues affecting their uh, survivability and their the way they actually live and operate. And But it's all connected with all these other things, which is what uh, you guys are working on. Let's just go for one quick break. When we come back, let's talk about how you guys actually engage with the local communities and all of this. I'm speaking today to John Amos. He's with the Jura Turtle Project and also Siti Hawa Binti Abdul Wahid. She's the project manager of the Jura Turtle Project. They are, as they call themselves, a people's project because change starts with people and we're going to find out more how they do that after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. Joining me on the line today, all the way from Tioman, are John Richard Amos and Siti Hawa Binti Abdul Wahid. They are with the Juara Turtle Project. We're finding out more about the work that the Juara Turtle Project does. Uh, and before the break, of course, you know, we were talking about how this is a people's project. You know, how the at the core of it, you're trying to get uh, people involved in this conservation work. And I'm very curious about, um, you know, you keep mentioning how uh, it's a lot of work with local communities. How, do, how exactly do you engage and work with them? Um, it's not a particularly easy work area for me because obviously I come from a different culture and I come from a different background. So my interpretation uh, and, and my ability, if you like, to communicate is to a certain extent handicapped by my personal um, background. Mm-hmm. So I usually will defer to somebody that's more familiar and somebody who's more competent shall we say, with, to deal with people that uh, have the uh, cultural connection, if you like, with the local people there. Uh, what I will say, actually, I suppose, as far as my relationship with the local community is the fact that I don't think that I'm liked to a large extent because some of the things I say and some of the things I do are challenging. Okay. But I think I'm generally respected, and that's the only thing that I actually seek for JTP, that there's a level of respect that enables them to consider that it does have value and it would positively impact their lives if they actually listened to some of the dialogue that was being promoted by the project. And I think this is generally acceptable uh, or accepted in the community. It's a good indicator, shall we say, of how the project is uh, viewed on a local level. When we first started the project, there was very little material evidence of acknowledgement of turtles or recognition of the fact they actually existed. We've now got a kampong, a village that's decorated from ground to roof with turtles. <laughs> okay. The point is that uh, the turtles are, are recognised on a local level because they're actively displayed. So they're on the schools, they're on a lot of buildings and resorts and what have you. So the relationship, if you like, not necessarily between JTP and the turtles, but the relationship with the local community and the turtles is dramatically different to what it was when we started so as a vehicle that has actually cemented the turtles into the site of the local community i think it's been a very positive move uh, with jtp mm-hmm. the problem i've got is because of my cultural background and my inability if you like to actually communicate in a way that's acceptable if you like i think you know without appearing to be dictatorial in any kind of way 
is is I'm hampered with that and I'm handicapped there. So Howard, uh, the person that's taking over the projected future of the project, her ability, if you like, to communicate on a local level with the local community is far superior to mine. So uh, there is absolutely no way that I could say that I was comfortable with the progress of JTP today. So we're looking for ways that we can improve. This is one of the things that we're actually doing is to actually put people in place, if you like, that have better potential of being able to communicate and develop working relationships on a local level. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And Howard, talk to me about that, you know, as somebody who, again, I mean, you're not from Tioman, so you are also considered perhaps an outsider, right, coming coming into this community. How have you sort of bridged those gaps and how are you working with the local communities? Oh, um, perbezaan antara saya dengan John um, yang ketara ialah saya boleh berbahasa Melayu. <laughs> okay. So, the, uh, that is the bridge that connects okay. with the local lah. Okay. Ah, tu, um, although kita dah berkempen dengan um, orang kampung dah bertahun-tahun, I think dah 16 tahun, tapi kita masih lagi ada um, segmen-segmen orang kampung yang terlepas uh, mesej-mesej yang disampaikan oleh Um, JTP dan um, saya rasa tu reflects back to um, kita punya cara dan kita punya um, strategi komunikasi dalam um, berkempen lah. So um, kita uh, previously kita punya kempen, kita punya bahan-bahan kempen semua dalam bahasa Inggeris hmm. dan um, dekat sini tak semua uh, penduduk boleh berbahasa Inggeris. Sebab um, kita ada dua um, audience untuk kita punya kempen. Satu adalah orang kampung, lagi satu adalah untuk um, pelancong-pelancong luar yang datang. Sure. Um, sebelum ni disebabkan kita banyak um, dapat um, support daripada um, pihak-pihak luar negara. So disebabkan itu kita punya kempen, bahasa-bahasa kempen kita banyak dalam bahasa English. So apa yang saya buat ialah... Um, mula um, translate the uh, bahan-bahan kempen tu dalam bahasa yang mudah dibaca atau mudah dihadam oleh orang kampung. Walaupun kita guna bahan kempen dalam bahasa Melayu, setengah-setengah bahasa yang terlalu teknikal ataupun terlalu te- um, saintifik, orang kampung tetap tak faham walaupun dalam bahasa Melayu. So hmm. um, apa yang saya cuba buat adalah untuk ringkaskan um, semua informasi-informasi yang saintifik dan teknikal tu dalam um, bahan-bahan kempen dan uh, kaedah komunikasi yang lebih mudah diterima oleh orang kampung. Okay, all right. So so the language barrier was a, was a huge thing and um, so you're working on bridging that as well. And have they been quite responsive, you know, to all these uh, uh, new efforts being made on your part? Mereka memang dah responsif terhadap kita punya kempen, mm-hmm. um, kita punya projek um, sebelum um, saya masuk. Okay. Cuma perbezaannya ialah um, kaedah kempen Sekarang lebih mudah difahami dan lebih mudah diterima di mana sebelum ni kita ada um, beberapa isu yang berbangkit disebabkan penggunaan kata yang salah oleh kita punya um, team members dan um, bermula daripada isu tu um, kita rasa kita patut um, use the right communication dengan uh, orang kampung sure. dan um, walaupun kita dah um, engage lama dan kita ada pelbagai respon yang berbeza daripada orang kampung ada yang masih um, ada yang um, nak terlibat dengan kita punya um, projek ada yang masih ragu-ragu ada yang masih um, tak nak terlibat sebab kita punya kaedah um, kempen sebelum ni mungkin terlalu agresif sebab macam yang kita tahu um, 
ada komuniti-komuniti yang um, konsum telur penyu sebab um, itu adalah satu tradisi yang dah lama hmm. even sebelum uh, penyu mula pupus. So um, kita kat sini ada krisis untuk memaham ada konflik untuk memastikan um, local people faham kenapa kita kena um, simpan telur-telur penyu tu, kenapa kita kena selamatkan telur-telur penyu tu sebab ada language barrier sebelum ni dan um, walaupun uh, kempen tu dibuat dalam bahasa Melayu, kempen tu ialah sejenis kempen yang agresif di mana kita menyerang orang kampung instead of fahamkan. Sure. So, um, um, berbalik kepada poin saya tadi, um, right now kita tengah um, kaji what is the right um, communication untuk kita punya kempen. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you know how to be more collaborative than combative, right? Yeah, how to have <laughs> the right phraseology to come up with. And of course, you know, you guys don't work in isolation. You collaborate with many different uh, organizations and I think universities as well. Uh, maybe John, you can talk to me a little bit about all the different collaborations. Okay, well, some of the collaborations, if you want to call them that, I would probably use the word partnership. Okay, partnership. With some of them, because uh, we have a long standing relationship with the United World College. They're my primary client okay. uh, for the outdoor, outdoor education business. Uh, when uh, we got involved with the Turtle Project, uh, they signed on to support the project financially with an annual donation from their global concerns. Uh, department. Mm-hmm. Uh, the children uh, uh, get involved in the project as they run fundraising activities. We do presentations in school. Uh, we can put up material in school. We can build bridges and connections. Uh, so there's a good dialogue, if you like, backwards and forwards and to and fro between some of the colleges that we actually work with with the outdoor education business. We're also partners with entities like Sandavi and other entities that actually support the project or are acting not necessarily just the turtles. I mean, some entities sign on because their interest is with resource management or something like that. So Mm. we've got diverse relationships with different elements that support those particular activities and not necessarily the whole umbrella organisation. So we can actually, a very wide base, if you like, of interest uh, and subject matter, if you like, with these entities. Uh, the the one thing that's critically important for us, particularly you know, with the fact that uh, I want as much individual involvement as I can actually generate in the project, is that we don't end up being too dependent on large scale supporters of the project. That the project is basically or engineered to be accessible to individuals and small groups. Uh, it's critically important that we have these relations, small groups and individuals actually bring a different type of connection. Okay, it's mm-hmm. not quite so orchestrated, it's not so engineered, it's more inspirational, it's more emotional. And an inspirational, or emotional connection has an incredible amount of value because these individuals or small groups themselves into the project and what they actually represent, they bring a lot of skills with them, they bring a lot of input. So they don't come with preconceived notions about how to support the total project or what we're actually doing. They come here and they invest themselves into it. And it's a voyage of discovery, which is very rewarding and interesting for us as well, to actually discover what their abilities are and what their skills are. Once we actually get people here and explain to them that they, they have the opportunity to express themselves on a personal level, there's an enormous amount of resource there that they didn't think was applicable, but they can actually partake 
in the operation of the project on a personal level, which is really, I think, what the project's all about. That level of access, that point of access, highly personalised, the project is available on a personal level. And we look for people to make that contribution, that connection. I like that, you know, I like the fact that you say that, you know, you really, really want to work with with individuals because as you said, um, you know, sometimes when the bigger organizations come in, there is a sort of end goal in sight, right? And there is a sort of like, yeah, like a checklist of things that need to be done. But this one is, I suppose, more organic, right? Uh, what, you're, uh, what you're talking about, all these different sort of smaller collaborations and who knows what yeah. might come out from it, right? Yeah, for sure. And it, it's critically important that uh, as on an individual level, it's not that common that you have projects that are accessible to that extent that there's no rigid formality to it in any way whatsoever there's no precondition in any way whatsoever and as I say we can have dialogue with people if you like that's based on personal input as opposed to anything that's structured in any way whatsoever or restricted because it is structured okay yeah the, the whole project basically is very fluid it morphs continuously you know we get change in circumstance change in areas if you like where we've got to pay attention where we've really got to focus uh, one thing that is high profile for us and it is a controversial issue is the development of a new airport on Tiamat. okay so mm -hmm. this is obviously of concern for us and it's something that we're paying close attention to it's a subject that's just returned and it's been actively promoted they intend if you like or consent has been given for the development of this particular uh, this particular project like you know so this means that our focus of attention shifts because we have to pay attention to things as they develop so we're not in control of our destiny <laughs> so we follow if you like the progress of the island if you like and we try to match and mirror things as they develop on the island as to what we actually do in response to that you know not that we're in a position that we can object to anything all we can do is advise and uh, offer opinion mm -hmm. if anybody's actually prepared to listen okay one of the critical uh, things that in uh, impacts the turtles is development and of the course. repercussions of development you know and uh, the fact that most of the development is orchestrated for human entertainment mm. and for reason of entertainment we are actually invading the habitat which is absolutely critical to the survival of things like turtles they don't actually enter this space for reasons of entertainment we do is our entertainment really worth sacrificing their required habitat so it's questions like that that we would like to promote if you like and getting people to be more responsible when they come to the island they visit the island if you like you know their activities particularly nocturnal activities because that's a critical time for turtles landing on the beach yeah so if they would heed some of the information that is actually being promoted by entities like jtp then perhaps the turtles wouldn't be harassed to the extent that they are and they would have a more comfortable existence so, I'm totally convinced the turtles will survive, but it's a shame that we can't share space with them mm -hmm. purely because we're too insensitive to accommodate them. Yeah, it goes. It boils down to um, responsible ecotourism as well, isn't it? We all think that you know by all oh, by visiting all of this, 
yeah, we're contributing to ecotourism. Yes, you are. But there needs to be a balance where, you know, the, the survivability of the wildlife, you know, of the habitat, of the area, those must be of utmost importance. And, you know, your comfort levels as visitors, as tourists, you know, that's, come, that's kind of secondary to all of that, isn't it? It's difficult to promote those arguments, if you like, to somebody who's not completely convinced that their requirement is not absolutely paramount. <laughs> you know, we have to justify this statement. We have to find some way of actually getting them to consider, not necessarily changing what they do, but to do it in a more responsible way or to do it in a way that's not quite so aggressive, mm-hmm. if you like. Also, I suppose it's really quite important to uh, make the point that there are absolutely no innocents in this equation, I am not innocent in my activities. I am a creator of negative impact, if you like, on my environment. And there is very little that anybody can do actually to eradicate the impact that you have. But what you can do is minimize it. So this is the quest of the Turtle Project is to try to get people to actually collectively and individually have a more responsible attitude, if you like, to going into areas that are critically important for certain species in a way that is purely just to defend a recreational point of access. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. And, sorry, John? No, I was just going to say there are many ways that we can do that. We've got a lot of boat traffic associated with uh, uh, tourism because it's an island, obviously, so boats play a very important part of the operation of the tourist industry. Uh, we have a lot of casualties with turtles with impact with speedboats. Yeah. Okay, so... We can't really stop this happening because the turtles frequent the same corridor of water that the speedboats do. Okay, this is area of water, if you like, that's inhabited by the turtles because it's part of their breeding cycle and it's the same piece of water that the speedboats actually occupy as well. So there is no way that we can actually arrest contact with speedboats and turtles. So they're going to have collision, they're going to have impact. But the problem with the impact with the speedboats is not the boat itself, it's the propeller. Yeah. It's the propeller that causes the damage to the animal. The, the boat, the turtle is not going to be happy to be hit by a speedboat, but it's probably going to survive the impact, but it will not survive being chopped up by the propeller. So what is the solution? Very simple. Put a guard on the propeller. Mm-hmm. You put a cage on the propeller, then it will not come into contact with the blades of the propeller. This is not an expensive uh, element to attach to a boat. This is a designated marine park. I understand that terminology. I know what it implies, that there is a need, if you like, for anybody that's engaged in commercial activities within the confines of that particular area has to respect it to a certain extent. Is it possible that in a designated marine park in Malaysia, that all speedboats are required by law to achieve their licenses to have a propeller guard fitted to protect the lives of the turtles, which is one of the primary reasons that the tourists come here in the first place. So there are no losers here, really. We're defending an industry so that it has longevity and it has a continuing point of income. And we're also trying to achieve a way that we can minimise the casualty count that we have with the turtles. So it's this kind of thought process. So can we try to look at ways that are not impactful on the industry that is uh, basically the principal point of income on the island, but it doesn't actually negatively impact the species that actually occupy the water to the extent that it does now. So can we get a bit creative with the way that we think about things as opposed to trying to 
or trying to visualize them or realize and understand them that they are regimented or rigid if you like there is there's a lot of area that we can actually look at and analyze and find solutions in that don't actually restrict too much either entity we can find a way to accommodate both Mm-hmm. And is that something that you're also working on, trying to engage with the policymakers, you know, with um, yeah, with the authorities, I suppose, to have these conversations, to you know, come up with this yeah. sort of legislation. Yeah, well, we've been arguing for prop guards for a long time. Oh, okay. And uh, I can argue, but it has to be picked up. You see, the point is, you know, that I can promote, 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 and if nobody's actually prepared to adopt the idea in any way, shape, nor form, then there comes to a point, if you like, where it's it's not necessarily pointless to continue promoting, but you're going to cause offence if you continue to promote. And this is the point that Har was making about aggressive, okay, because I am a relatively patient man, but there's a point where it becomes apparent that I'm not comfortable put it that way. So I will, on face value or on surface value, appear to be aggressive. It's not. I'm frustrated because I can't get people to listen to what I'm saying and at least consider it, Mm -hmm. but it's rejected out of hand at the point it has been introduced. So there's no consideration for elements like prop guards, if you like. That's the thing that really frustrates me. You know, so yeah, we will continue to promote for prop guards, but we need to promote to people that are prepared to consider actually implementation. You know, and I'm not asking for Tiermen here, I'm asking for Marine Parks Malaysia because mm-hmm. Marine Parks Malaysia we have the same issue, the same problem in every single one of these. Marine Parks is promoted as being a safe haven for the marine environment. Can we see what we can actually engineer to make it a more safe environment for the entities that actually inhabit this environment, not the ones that are purely visiting it? It actually also does safeguard human life because there is potentially, if you like, for a human casualty with an unguarded propeller. Hasn't happened to my knowledge in Malaysia, but it's a regular event in Thailand. And we only want less considerate boatmen, if you like, or more high-powered boats with this never-ending desire to do things faster and faster and faster before we have a human casualty. If we have gas on the propellers, we're actually safeguarding uh, human life. We're safeguarding as best we can the turtles because, unfortunately, we can't talk to those guys and advise them that we're on the case and we're trying to do something. But uh, it is advantageous, I think, for the Ministry of Tourism to actually engage with entities and with solutions, if you like, that don't inhibit access, but they actually limit or reduce the potential damage that could be done Mm. uh, by gaining access into these environments. It's very simple. I mean, it, it does sound very simple. Uh, it, it sounds also, I suppose, rather strange that, you know, something as simple as this cannot be implemented. But I suppose, as you said, there's no uh, will to sort of see it uh, being implemented, right, and being done. So that's something that uh, everybody, I suppose, needs to work on in that sense, yeah? So, I mean, all we can do is campaign. <laughs> but again, I mean, we have, to be, we have to be careful how we do that. Mm, without know, being so, offensive. Uh, right? It has to be done diplomatically, yeah. yeah, I guess, you know, definitely there are some challenges that remain, of course, as you just mentioned. But how would you like, um, you know, anyone who's listening right now, how would you like them to get involved, uh, maybe take action or, or, you know, maybe come and visit you guys? Yeah, anything at all. 
um, for now untuk masa sekarang um, kita punya um, cabaran yang terbesar adalah daripada sektor ada beberapa bahagian uh-huh. tapi buat masa sekarang adalah pada um, sektor kewangan di mana kita telah um, suffer daripada um, PKP di mana kita ialah macam yang John dah bagitahu kita adalah public funded uh, project so banyak projek-projek kita datang daripada um, sumbangan-sumbangan orang awam yang datang melawat dan juga daripada kita punya program um, volunteer program yang datang dan menginap dekat sini uh, bayar yuran dan menginap dekat sini dan bantu kita dalam kerja-kerja um, konservasi mm-hmm. tapi bila um, uh, terjadinya pandemik coronavirus ni kita ada strict um, movement control orders dan semua di mana kita punya um, orang luar akses orang luar untuk sampai kepada kita dah berkurang jadi um, kita punya um, kita juga kehilangan um, source of income sepanjang 2 tahun I would say 2 tahun setengah 2 tahun setengah ni okay. dan um, bila um, kita dapat pengunjung yang berkurangan sebab pandemik tu kita juga um, kekurangan um, ejen-ejen untuk menyebarkan mesej-mesej yang kita cuba untuk um, sebarkan Uh, melalui pengunjung di mana selalunya kalau kita dapat pengunjung dia akan ambil gambar, dia akan um, share dekat social media untuk bagi tahu apa yang sedang berlaku daripada um, penyu-penyu di Tioman so bila kita ada strict movement control order tu so akses untuk orang sampai ke projek ni pun berkurangan sure. so dia um, PKP memang um, memberi kesan yang memberi impak yang agak besar kepada um, kepada JTP cabaran yang terbesar kita adalah ada adalah daripada in terms of um, aktiviti konservasi penyu ialah um, kita ada few salah satunya ialah um, tadi John dah cakap kita ada pembangunan-pembangunan yang berleluasa dekat sini di mana um, terlalu banyak habitat-habitat penyu tu telah di bukan diceroboh lah habitat-habitat tu um, di explore oleh manusia dan dia tak adapt cohabitation practice yang bagus Okay. Uh, sepanjang pantai dekat Tioman dulu kita ada banyak uh, tempat pendaratan penyu di Tioman kita ada paya, tekek, salang tapi um, dalam bagi tahun 2022 yang pantai tempat pendaratan penyu yang tinggal adalah juara oh. so apa yang berlaku ialah apabila um, JTP mulakan projek um, konservasi penyu kat sini kita um, educate dan empower local resort um, yang waktu tu um, cuma ada satu ataupun dua So kita um, um, berkempen lah macam mana kaedah untuk kita cohabitate uh, habitat ni dengan um, penyu. So um, setengah-setengah resort tu dah adapt. Dia macam dia orang guna um, warm light instead of white lights. Dia orang dah tak ada aktiviti malam-malam yang akan menyebabkan bunyi yang kuat yang akan mengganggu proses um, penyu mendarat dan bertelur. So untuk juara kita masih um, ada tempat pendaratan penyu yang aktif adalah sebab kita control the um, development. Okay. So masih ada uh, masih ada resort yang uh, struggle sikit untuk mengadaptasi um, cohabit- cohabitation um, practice tu tapi kita ada habit, kita ada resort yang memang um, supportive of this um, project. Okay. 
All right. So, so again, uh, there's a lot of collaboration that's needed. There's a lot of, uh, I suppose, knowledge exchange also, right? I mean, people, uh, mm-hmm. again, a reminder of why folks come to Tioman. Yes, of course, to have a good time. But yeah, let's uh, protect, you know, all the, the, the iconic species that are uh, living there or that, you know, depend on the beach as well and, and the and pristine surroundings, right? They need really pristine surroundings for them to continue to be able to uh, breed uh, in peace in that sense, right? Um, so, of course, people can come visit and people can find out more. Um, how, if anyone's interested to get in touch with you guys and to collaborate, what's the best way that they can do that? Um, kami active di social media, um, Facebook dan juga Instagram mm-hmm. dengan nama Juara Tentu Project. Dan um, maklumat-maklumat yang ada di laman web kami adalah... Uh, agak komprehensif di mana semua maklumat tentang aktiviti dan program yang berjalan um, ada dipaparkan di situ dan kita juga ada um, berkongsi macam mana um, cara-cara untuk orang awam uh, terlibat dalam projek ni juga um, jadi um, kalau ada orang awam yang berminat dengan uh, untuk uh, menyumbang dalam kita punya usaha dalam konservasi penyu di Tioman boleh um, terus ke kami punya laman web ataupun uh, Facebook dan juga Instagram. Okay, alright. Dan kami juga available 24 jam di um, JTP uh, Kampung Juara uh, Pulau Tioman. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add before I wrap up, John? I would like to actually point out that uh, a conservation project regardless of its title is never ever to be seen as a solution. So many people have an opinion when they come into contact with entities like JTP that this is a solution. This is not a solution. This is a flag for a huge disaster. Okay, JTP is not a good thing. It's not something to actually enjoy. It's not something to be proud of in any way whatsoever. I'm not proud of actually trying to engage with a work area that's represented in JTP. It's not a matter of pride. There is no real benefit in actually running something like this. There's a lot of uh, negativity associated with actually driving these kind of activities. Uh, these kind of projects. The one overriding ambition I have for JTP is to take it down because it is no longer necessary. The fact that it exists in the first place is a huge negative on human society in general, regardless of its location, that such a project would should actually be necessary in the first place. So please, can you help us get to the point where we can take this project down? Because it doesn't, it's not required anymore. Mm-hmm. I hear you loud and clear. That is the ultimate aim. How do we make sure that Jura Turtle Project doesn't need to be around anymore, right? Mm. <laughs> How can we burn it? Okay. How can we get it? So, so folks, okay, you've heard it. You know, how do we get to a point where we can burn Jora Tesla Project down, as John himself said. But, um, you know, in the meantime, if you'd like to support the work that they do and, you know, the ultimate aim of not having it in existence anymore, of course, just head to their website. Uh, as as Howard said, it's joraturtleproject.com or follow them on their social media channels. My thanks again to both my guests. I was speaking to John Richard Amos and Siti Hawa Binti Abdul Wahid of the Jora Turtle Project. And if you miss any part of our conversation, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.